Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Tattered, torn, scattered, scorned, thrusted into chaos the day I was born. Just a misfit, destined to be a statistic, shattered, but what does it matter? They want me to be in sync with the pattern of a victim, perpetually positioned in a self-envisioned prison, frozen, imprisoned by our past. We don't ever get the present tense. It's evident we are ships with no sail to catch the wind. And we heard about God, but don't think he could let us in. Because our whole life, the world shut us out. And love is foreign towards us. We don't understand, so we doubt. But God changes everything. The pain, it settles, and we don't remain as the abused adolescent or confused with depression and used as a weapon of self-destruction. His grace conducts a better scene because God changes everything. Hurt to healing, shame to salvation. They said victory is something we would never see, but God changes everything. Happy spring, everybody. God changes everything, including the weather. Can we hear it for warm weather in New Jersey? Praise God for that. Glad you're here for our series, But God Changes Everything. I'm Pastor Tim. We need to give a big, uh, big rowdy welcome uh, to all those folks who are joining us online or through broadcast in New Brunswick, not Lear Mountain. So would you welcome those guys? Thank God that you are here today and joining us. Now, uh, before we jump in, I want to let you know about something special happening next weekend. Next Sunday, in fact, we are hosting a special guest, Dr. David Ireland. Uh, my brother from another mother is going to be here preaching live at Liquid. Dr. Ireland is a close friend, partner in ministry. Next Sunday, he's going to come teach us about activating the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In fact, he wrote a book by that name, Activating the Gifts of the Holy Spirit. And this is a really important topic for all Christians. If you're new to Christianity or even have just have a desire to understand the deeper work of the Holy Spirit, how you can experience God's power in your life every day, this is a key message. So I wanted to let you know that ahead of time, a week in advance, so that you can be here. Also, invite a friend next week to hear Dr. Ireland. So today, I want to uh, talk to you about inviting God's blessing in two key areas of your life, God's blessing on your family and God's blessing on your finances, and really how God can provide financially for your family in a message I'm calling, But God provides. Now, I realize like finances, money can be a touchy subject to talk about in church, especially if you're new, you're like, ah, I'm talking about money. But so I like to start with kind of a funny little uh, story about money in the church. Uh, Hopefully you won't be offended if you're Irish. Uh, This is about an old Irishman who lived in the countryside with only his pet dog for company. And one day his beloved dog died. And so he went to his local priest. He said, father, my dog is, you know, dead, you know, could you be saying a mass for the poor creature in church? And uh, the father replied, oh, for heaven's sakes, we can't be saying a mass, you know, for an animal in the church. Uh, but there's some, you know, Pentecostals down the street. There's no telling what they'll do, you know. Maybe they'll do something for you. And, uh, and so the man said, okay, thanks, father. I'll go, I'll go right away. By the way, 
do you think $50,000 will be enough to donate for the funeral service? And he said, sweet Mary, mother of Jesus, why didn't you tell me the dog was Catholic? You know, it's kind of, <laughs> okay, open your Bible to Genesis chapter 31. We'll move on there. We're going to read today the story of Jacob and the but God breakthrough with his family and their finances. Genesis 31, uh, a little background about Jacob. This is the grandson of Abraham. He went to work uh, and live with his uncle Laban. And Jacob actually married two uh, sisters, Leah and Rachel. And uh, at that time, it wasn't unusual to have two or three wives from the same family. It's still that way in parts of Kentucky. So, you know, just kind of... <laughs> Jacob promised, I just want to offend everybody today, gosh, what? <laughs> Jacob promised his uncle Laban that he would work seven years for each daughter. So he worked seven years for Rachel's hand in marriage, worked seven years then for Leah's hand in marriage. But there was a problem. His uncle Laban was very jealous of Jacob. He didn't like that God's hand was on Jacob. Jacob was being blessed. He was a, he was a farmer, so he's acquiring sheep and goats and land. And God's hand was on Jacob's life, and that made Laban very jealous. So Laban cheats Jacob for almost 20 years. He actually shortchanges him on his wages. He tricks him, he swindles him, and tries to cheat Jacob's family financially. Here's what Genesis 31, we'll start at verse 4, says. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah, his wives, to come out to the fields where his flocks were. He said to them, I see that your father's attitude towards me is not what it was before. Now, here's the first but. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength, and yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages, my salary, how many times? Ten times. Now, here's the second but. Get ready. But God, say this together, has not allowed him to harm me. So, Jacob and Laban were partners in the family business, and they had a falling out, right? Somewhere along the way, their relationship soured. It said Laban's attitude changed because, as many of you know, you know, money makes people do crazy things. But according to verse 6, Laban cheats Jacob by changing his wages 10 times. He keeps kind of moving the goalposts, as it were. Anybody work in an environment where your boss kind of moves the goalposts, like this is success, and you reach, and they're like, no, no, I really meant this. He changes the rules in the middle of the game. He basically says, Jacob, the deal we made last week, I'm changing that. This week, here's the deal. And Jacob reaches that, and he says, no, that, actually, we're going to do this. Now the deal is this. He changes it over and over for 20 years. Very stressful, very frustrating. Maybe you're in a situation like that today. Maybe you feel like you're being treated unfairly at your place of employment, right? Maybe, in fact, you've been lied to or misled in a business deal or the victim of a scam. Maybe you've lost money. We have people in this church who've even lost their homes, and you're struggling financially. And things may look bleak, if not for two words. What are they? But God. Jacob said, but God has not allowed him to harm me. And even though Jacob said those words, it must have felt like he was being hurt when he was going through this thing. I mean, this is his father-in-law. You assume family would treat family fairly, but anyone who's been in a family business knows that ain't always the case, right? <laughs> this spring, I've talked to two different people in our congregation. One man is the founder of a family business that God has just like blessed and expanded, really grown exponentially. 
but it's made his partner very jealous and he wanted a bigger piece. So for the last two years, he has worked behind the scenes to create a faction of employees and turn them against his, his partner and been calling him unfair. He's trying to kind of poison the well, smear his reputation so he can get a bigger portion for himself. And my friend is like, Tim, it's emotionally devastating because they're calling my integrity into question, you know, and now there are lawyers involved and they want to cut lots of trauma, lots of drama for my friend, especially because it started as a family business. Uh, the other person I heard for is a couple, husband and wife who owned a, a rental property house that was actually out of state. They moved to New Jersey. They asked somebody to manage the rental property for them, oversaw the renters, but then the, the property manager stopped sending them payments along the way. And there was always like some excuse. He said like, well, burst pipe, that's why I'm not sending the money. And so then when they investigated, they discovered that that manager had skipped town, was running a scam, and he has now stolen a total of $17,000 from this couple, okay? Devastating. Young couple, just starting a family, major financial setback. They've actually had to tap into their savings, 401k, just to stay afloat. That's what's going on with Jacob. And it happened for 20 years. He endured this for two decades. Financial hardship, family drama. But in the middle of all this, Jacob looks at the mess and he says to his wives, your father has cheated me by changing my wages 10 times, but God has not allowed him to harm me. In fact, just the opposite. God actually blesses Jacob. Even though Laban tries to cheat him, his flocks multiplied. His stocks multiplied. He's a, he's a farmer. Look at this. It says, here's the breakthrough. Verse 8, it says, if Laban said the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to who? To me. And this is fascinating. I actually had a guy come up who owns a farm after the last service, and he said, I have Jacob's goats on my farm. I'm like, how old are you? He goes, no, it's not the original goats. He said, but they're spotted and they're speckled, and they have multiple horns, and there's no explanation for them, except that when you go back to Genesis, he says, Laban said, I want to keep all the white sheep for myself, the prime cuts, the beautiful ones, and you get the oddballs. You get the spotted, you get the speckled, you get the streaked. And God says, okay, I can play that game. And he multiplies the flocks of Jacob. And you can actually still see those to this day. You can Google Jacob's goats online and you'll see. Laban cheats God's servant, but God reverses the impact. He actually protects Jacob's family and blesses him financially. I mean, is that not encouraging to know? If you have been cheated, if you have been swindled, if you've been, uh, you know, someone has cut your legs out or deceived you, but God can overcome dishonesty and deceit and bless that mess. Even if you're in debt, there's no hole too deep that God can't lift you out of. There's not a scheme God can't trump with his generosity. It may take time. It may take years. It may not be overnight. It was 20 years. It was a process for Jacob. But God provides, amen? He opposes the wicked and he elevates the humble. Now, I want you to pay attention here because Jacob's but God breakthrough is linked in Scripture to something very important. If you skip down to verse 12, you'll see God speaks to Jacob, and he says this, I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. That's encouraging, too, for somebody here. You're like, man, I'm going through this season right now. Does God even notice? And God says, I've seen everything that's being done to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar, and where you made a, what's the word here? A vow 
to me. What is a vow? A vow is a promise. God says, I have prospered you because of the promise you made to me. A vow. Well, what was this vow that Jacob made to God at Bethel? If you put your finger in chapter 31 and flip to Genesis chapter 28, you'll see it recorded in verse 20. Here's what it says. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, then the Lord will be my God. And of all that you give me, I will give you a what? A tenth. Jacob made a vow. God, you will be my God. And of everything that comes into my life, I will give you a what? A a tenth. And the Hebrew word here for tenth is tithe, which simply means 10%. Jacob said, God, just like my grandfather Abraham gave 10%, everything that I have that comes into my life, I'm going to offer the first 10% back to you. And when God breaks through Laban's cheating schemes and he blesses Jacob beyond belief, it's the Lord who looks back and says, remember that vow? I'm the God at Bethel, the one you vowed and promised to tithe to. You think you're being faithful to me by tithing, but I'm the one who's faithful to you. My name is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. Amen? Friends, if you are trying to lay a foundation for your family, it is an amazing confidence when you know you have the power of God behind you, when you have to honor God financially. The tithe is the basic biblical principle of putting God first in your finances, and this church is full of tithers. Deuteronomy describes it this way. Look what it says. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God, what? First in your lives. And so Jacob shows us wherever you want God's blessing in your life, you have to put him first. If you want God's blessing on your marriage, don't put your husband or your wife first, put God first. If you want God to bless your flocks, your stocks, you have to honor him first in your finances. In fact, later in the Old Testament, God instructs his people. He says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. That's the tithe. You give the first 10% of your income back to God's house. Now, in the Old Testament, Jewish people, they would bring their tithe to the temple. In the New Testament, as Christians, we bring our tithe to the local church. Now, let me make a caveat here. If you are new to our church, or you're like just checking out Christianity, this probably sounds crazy. <laughs> like, this is crazy talk. I knew this was going to happen. They're going to like, like, this is very, this is just a religious tax. Uh, I, was, I came, uh, you know, for the Easter egg hunt, and I knew it. Now there's very steep membership dues. We're not, you know, we're not after your money, okay? In fact, if you're not a Christian, this is a great moment for you to kind of eavesdrop on a family conversation. You can kind of like lean in. Because the reason Christians tithe is not like we got to pay God. It's because of our perspective. We see God as the majority owner of everything we have. God owns it all. And you may be like, well, I'm not sure I see it that way. For instance, quick show of hands. How many of you are in business? How many of you work in business? How many own their own business? Okay, maybe entrepreneur. Yeah, a ton of entrepreneurs in this church. Okay, fine. If I asked you, who's your number one business partner? You may like call to mind somebody. You may say, okay, well, John's my business partner. But from God's perspective, he's like, actually, moi. <laughs> I am the majority owner. In fact, I am your angel investor, okay? And you may say, well, I don't see it that way. But God sees himself as part owner of whatever income he enables you to make in whatever you do for a living. 
Who's giving you those raw abilities? Who's giving you those talents? Who gave you that intellect? Who gives you the resources? God's like, here's the deal. I'm going to give you everything. All of it's mine, but I'm going to be generous and give it to you because I'm your father. But the deal works like this. Our deal is that I get 10% the tithe and you keep 90, <laughs> which is a pretty generous deal, right? Because God could have said, I'm going to give you 10% and you got to give, and, and I keep 90. But God's not like that. Your father in heaven is a giver by definition. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only son. He's a giver. He's generous. His arms are open. And the tithe is simply a tenth of our income that we give back to God as a way of reminding us where everything comes from. That's our, that's our perspective. Now, the question I always ask is, well, why is it a percentage, 10%? And the answer is fairness. In other words, a percentage, 10%, is the same for every single person. If you're a college student and you flip burgers for 10 bucks an hour, can you do the math on that, right? A dime of every dollar is 10%. If you're an executive, you make $100,000. You tithe 10% too, $10,000. It's about equal sacrifice to God, proportional giving. So the number of your income doesn't matter if you make $30,000 or $300,000. God says this, watch. The first penny of every dime is mine. Can we repeat that? The first penny of every dime is mine, says God. Remember I taught you this last spring? That's what the tithe is. The first penny of every dime goes back to God. God says, look, I own all of it and everything you have belongs to me. But as my children, I want you to return the first 10% to my house as a reminder of whose pocket all this comes from. Here's the problem. Jacob ended up having 12 sons. The most famous was Joseph. And years later, decades later, that generation of people fell away from this foundational spiritual discipline. They stopped putting God first in their finances. In fact, Israel stopped tithing completely, and God calls them on it three generations later. In Malachi 3, he says this. God says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? Answer what? In tithes and offerings. Now, what's going on when God's like, hey, you're ripping me off? It typically got to lean in a little bit, right? <laughs> Why is dad calling the family meeting with his kids? You ever have the family meeting call all the kids on the couch? We got to talk. And God's like, guys, I have a, I have a problem. And the guy, kids are like, what's the, what's the problem, dad? You're robbing me. You're taking my money. The fridge is empty. Anybody else have college students who are coming home for the summer? Okay, just kind of, you know how this feels? Dad's like, hey, I'm a generous father to you. Everything I have is, is yours, but you're ripping me off. And they're like, really? How are we robbing you? Watch. In tithes and offerings, which raises a great question. What's the difference between a tithe and an offering? A tithe, by definition, always goes to God's house, your local church where you're spiritually fed. That's what the storehouse is. You can't technically, you can't tithe your money to a TV ministry. You can't give a, a tithe to charity to help the homeless. You give offerings to those, and that's amazing. An offering is a gift that's above and beyond your tithe. But the tithe is the ground floor in God's family and God's house. It's about honoring God first. And then there are offerings because God, your father, is generous and he's compassionate. And he says, as my children, I want you to be generous and compassionate to folks who are outside of the church. I want you to give over and above beyond that to bless them. So it's interesting because a lot of times I'll get the question from people to say, well, Pastor Tim, can I give my, you know, can I give my tithe to clean water? Or can I give my tithe to you know, uh, sponsor a child? Or, or No, is the answer. It's not a tithe technically. It's an offering. 
a tithe by definition simply goes to God's house, the church, and the offering is above and beyond that. And it's very interesting because ever since I graduated college about 22 years ago, don't do the math on it, I've give, this is how I was raised. I gave 10%, a minimum of 10% of everything that has come into my life, and Colleen has done the same, back to God. And we have never looked back. And I want you to hear this very carefully, okay? We have been blessed by God's grace, not just to give 10%, but actually increase it to 11, 12. And I'm not telling you that to brag, and I'm not telling you that, and we don't do this because we're rich. We live in New Jersey. I'm a pastor. We're not rich, watch, we're blessed. We're blessed. There's a difference. It's entirely possible to be rich and miserable and poor and blessed. We're blessed. We share our Father's generous heart. And I can tell you that for over two decades now, God has been faithful to our family through lean times. We've had tough times. We've had great times. But through it all, God has blessed us. And we do this as a family, not because it's the law, like, oh, no, if we don't tithe, God's going to grind us to powder, you know, or, or, you know, get mad at us. We have done it as an expression of gratitude for everything God's given us and trust that he actually will provide because we're like, you know what? We don't keep everything for ourselves, so God, you're going to have to show up. And so we give a tithe 10% of every paycheck so that he'll be first in our heart. Let me tell you something. It is one of the most powerful things in your family, in your marriage, to have the blessing of God on your finances, especially when you're in debt or you go through hard times. Just ask Steve Welgoss, who is a young husband here at Liquid from Nutley, who went through a season of loss. He lost his job, lost his relationship. He had serious debt. And by his own admission, he's like, Tim, I wasn't honoring God first in my finances. I was holding back the tithe until he took God at his word and started tithing. This is Steve's But God story. I started attending Liquid Nutley actually right after it opened. I had been working in Florida. My wife and I were down there for several years. I was making everything convenient for me. I had a lot of credit card debt coming out of a previous marriage. I was making financial decisions completely away from what God would have me do. I found myself without a job. So my debt actually became twice as bad as it was prior to everything else was piling up. So even though I was aware of tithing, I was sort of keeping a mental tally of saying, well, I was taking all my excess money and pouring it into getting rid of my debt, saying, well, I'll take care of my godly you know, responsibilities when it was convenient for me, when I could get around to it. I wanted to take care of my earthly debt first. So I just said, you know what? I am going to be obedient. I am not going to decide that tithing is something that doesn't fall under the category of things that I have to obey now, things that I can obey at my convenience. Next thing you know, once I began tithing, everything fell into place. Financially, we were able to get out of debt in a short number of years. I'm now a homeowner again. And I look at something like that and say, I don't think that's a coincidence. So eight years ago is when I began tithing, and one of the things that I've definitely found to be true at this point is this passage. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. My name is Steve Welgoss, and this is my But God story. Let's hear it for Steve. That's kind of a cool story, right? 
And here's the thing about Steve. He approached us. He said, hey, we, I, I kind of a breakthrough moment in my life. I'd love to share this with the rest of our church family. He, like, we didn't solicit that for him. He actually said, you know what, I've seen the power of tithing, God's faithfulness in my life. And God has done some incredible things. I mean, Steve had crippling debt, but God actually wiped it out. Steve was stuck in what he would describe as a dead-end job, but God jump-started a brand-new career. Um, and this is so cool because when you, think of, when you look back at Jacob, right, Jacob made a vow to tithe to God. Steve made a vow to tithe. God works major turnarounds all the time in people's lives. And I know there are some of you here today, and you're like, man, I'm in need of a turnaround. Maybe you're going through a dry spell, or your family's struggling financially, or you, you know, you've got crippling school loans or credit card debt, or, and you've kind of put God on a back burner. You're like, you know what, Tim? I'd love to, but I don't know if I can afford to tithe. Let me politely ask, when people tell me, I'm like, can you really afford not to? Can you afford not to? Because the reality is, when people say, I've got to pay off school loans and all that kind of stuff, can you really afford to miss out on God's blessing? I'll just be very shoot straight with you. The reason it's so hard, I think, for some of you right now is that you're holding on to 100% for yourself and saying, I'm just going to do life in my own strength and there's nobody else backing me up. Nobody else is for me. It is so It is so liberating to open your arms. I can't begin to tell you how much easier life is when you actually say, I'm going to live off 90%, and God, I need your power behind me. It is the difference between straining to row a boat upstream against the current or just setting out your sails and letting the wind of the Holy Spirit fill it. I mean, what would it be like for you in nine months to be out of debt, to pay off those school loans or those credit card bills? What would it be like to actually shift the financial legacy for your family? Can you imagine actually having enough where you actually start saving for college and retirement? Or to be able to be generous and give to others, to be able to give offering. Generosity is so much fun. I know that some of your heart, you want to do that, but you can't. But it all starts with being generous to God, to actually being faithful with the tithe. That's what Jacob did. See, the tithe is not just a tenth. The tithe is also a test. Do you notice that? That's very interesting what Steve just noted there in his testimony. Generations later, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the economy in Israel took a downturn, and people were cutting God out of their budget, and God says, you're robbing me, and you saw that, but you ask, how are we robbing you? They say in Malachi, and he says, in tithes and offerings, and look what he says. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. God's like, I've blessed you since the days of your granddaddy Abraham. Here you are, Jacob. And now, three generations later, when things get hard, you cut me out of the budget. You actually stop giving what's rightfully mine, the 10%. Now, watch, what's the solution? Did you hear the verse that Steve read? This will change your life. God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, watch this. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. In other words, whenever you say, you know what, I'm going to make a vow and I'm going to put God first in my finances, your heavenly father then promises, I am going to bless you far beyond what you can contain. Sometimes it's financially, sometimes it's just the peace of mind that knowing that God's got your back, the peace of mind that knows you're honoring him. But God draws this connection between putting him first and then the favor that he pours out in a family's life. Look what God calls it in verse 10. Look at this. What's what's the word here? He says, test me in this. 
This is the only time in the entire Bible that God says, test me. In fact, the Bible says, don't put the Lord your God to the test, except God says in this one area, test me. Those of you in, in college, maybe you're taking finals this spring, you know, what does a test do, right? A test reveals what you believe to be true. And the Bible says the tithe is not only a tenth, it is a test. It's a test that reveals, do you understand what God teaches about money? That's why I talk about tithing once or twice every year. The second is, what do you believe to be true? Because in the kingdom of God, every Christian takes this test once a week. Actually, you take it every time you get your paycheck. Some of you, you, get, you take your tithing test on Friday. Some of you take a tithing test biweekly. Some of you, you get paid on the last of the month, and that's when you take your tithing test. But every time you get a paycheck, you are taking a test. Will you honor God first in your finances by returning the 10% to the church, or do you keep it all for yourself and give God oh, the leftovers? Da-ding, here's a penny. <laughs> the tithe's a test. And here's the trick. Your attitude towards money reveals your heart towards God. Think about it. What did Jesus say? Wherever, wherever your treasure is, what else is there? Your heart. In fact, this is interesting. If you go throughout the Bible, did you know that every time the number 10 appears in Scripture, it represents testing? Watch. How many plagues did God send to Egypt to test Pharaoh's heart? How many? Answer, 10. Good, there you go. Okay, how many commandments did God give to Israel? How many? 10. How many disciples did Jesus have? 12. I'm testing you. See, I was just saying, see if you're awake. All throughout God's story, 10 represents testing, and the tithe is a test, testing the heart of his people, not so that we'll fail. He wants you to pass so he can bless you in a bigger way and see, I can entrust that person to advance my kingdom. It's funny, as a student, I didn't like tests, especially math tests, because I was an English major, you know? You know why I think God made, made, it, made it the tithe 10%? I think he made it 10% because it's simple math, you know? 10% of anything is very simple math, right? 10% of 10 is 1. 10% of 100 is 10. You, you just return to God's house. And parents, use this to teach your kids, okay? I do this with my own kids. In fact, I did this weekend. My little boy turned uh, 11 years old this week, so he had a little birthday party yesterday. And one of his relatives gives him $40, you know, 220s, uh, you know, for his birthday. You can get a video game. I didn't realize video games cost this now. Uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, Dad, it's GameStop, $32, you know. And I'm like, so we're putting him to bed last night. I'm like, okay, so you're going to tithe? You're going to, you know, give 10% back to God? And he's like, oh, man, $2. I can't believe it. And I'm like, we remember to self, work on math, uh, you know, <laughs> issues. I said, no, what's 10% of $40? He's like, oh, $4. So he gets his, you know, his $4, and he put it in the envelope that we have in the program, put it in, and he's, you know, handing it in today. And do you know why we do that? Because Colleen and I want to raise, we're, we're trying to raise generous kids. And I said to my son, I go, do you know why we tithe? Because I'm like, I don't want him to be like, yeah, because then, Daddy, you don't get a salary if we don't pay the church. That's not why we tithe, you know? <laughs> and it was the coolest thing, because he's 11 years old, but you know what he says? He says, because this $40, God gave me through Aunt Diane. He said, this $40, God gave me through Aunt Diane. And I was like, God, I pray that will never change that perspective in his life. That everything that comes into his life, no matter who pays him, no matter where blessing comes from, it's actually from his father in heaven that he has sent through other servants. And that we're privileged to receive anything, and then we return that. It, tithing is a simple reminder for your heart of who you trust. What does it actually say here? In God we trust. Who do you trust, God or the government? Jacob vowed to tithe 
before he had anything in his life. And here the Bible says before he had food to eat, before he had something to wear, before he had a wife to care for or kids to support, Jacob said, God, I'm making a vow with you at Bethel, the house of God, to give you a tenth, a tithe of everything that comes into my life. And years later, his family was wealthy and prosperous. His enemies tried to cheat him, but God remembered and honored his vow and blessed Jacob with an incredible breakthrough. Guys, this church is full of so many families who have had their but God breakthroughs, who have seen God show up through lean times, who have struggled financially, but as they honored God first in their finances, they've seen him move in incredible ways over the last 10 months. The reason I bring this up is because last spring, we offered something called the 90-day tithe challenge, right? Based on Malachi, where God says, test me in this. And what we did is we invited every single person at Liquid to take God at his word for 90 days, total of three months, to actually test God and bring the whole tithe, 10%, to church for 90 days. And said, just see. Just see if God won't prove faithful on his promise. And the results were remarkable. Um, I thought we'd have, you know, a few dozen people. All told, we had 550 people take the 90-day tithe challenge at Liquid Church. We had people all over the spectrum, people who had never tithed before, who were like, you know what? I'm going to try it out. They jumped in, tried it for the first time. We had people who didn't have jobs. They tithed. They said, God, I'm inviting your blessing on my job search. We actually had couples who had stopped tithing because they were going through hardship or a rough patch. They said, you know what? I'm going to jump back on. They wrote a, a catch-up check, and then they started tithing and never looked back. We had college students, those with first jobs. We had newly married couples. The but God stories we heard from last spring are incredible. And to close, I want to share one with you from a single mother named Ellen. She's a pretty cool lady. She heard about the 90-day tithe challenge. And Ellen wasn't, she's very candid here, you'll see. She wasn't sure she could afford it. But God honored Ellen's obedience and came through in a big way nine months later. Check this out. I started attending Liquid Nutley um, soon after they launched. I am a single mom. I have four wonderful children. I was in very poor financial condition. I had gone through a divorce. I was about to lose my home. I had been working um, without a contract at my teaching job. We hadn't had a contract in five years. And every year I saw my salary decrease. I just decided, you know, if God was going to help me, now was the time that I needed his help. The 90-Day Tithe Challenge was a challenge that was put out to members of the church. Um, we were challenged to tithe 10% of our earnings for 90 days um, and see how God blessed our lives after the time was up. It was very painful to write the first check. And then I thought, well, I couldn't pay my bills w without writing the check, so I might as well write the check and, and see what happens. Soon after I began the 90-day tithe challenge, um, my school district settled our contract and I got a very large um, retroactive payment. It was enough to pay off all of my debt and even put a little bit in the bank. I've been tithing now for about nine months. I find that I'm more diligent about my finances. I try not to waste money or buy unnecessary things. And I just try to be a good steward of, of the things that God has given me. My name is Ellen Stanziano, and this is my But God story. Here for Ellen. Thank you, Ellen, for sharing that story. And for all of those of you who took that 90-day tithe challenge, you really can never outgive God. And I invited Dave Brooks. Dave serves as our executive pastor 
here at Liquid Church, which means he not only oversees finances, but also our tithing program as well. Dave, we launched eight years ago. You've been here. It's kind of been a rocket ship ride. Where have you seen God been faithful to us? Yeah, thanks, Tim. God has been incredibly generous with Liquid Church over the last eight years. In 2007, our first year as a church, our budget was $1.2 million. In 2014, eight years later, our revenue was $7.2 million. God has been incredibly generous with us in providing over a 36% increase over that period of time. And I just want to personally thank all of you for making that happen. We're here for the sacrificing families. That's an incredible thing. That's you guys. That is amazing. It really is. I mean, you know, our church is made up of regular people like Steve and Ellen and people who sacrifice faithfully and give every week to help support our mission to saturate our state with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we all know New Jersey is not a cheap place to live. But we're thankful for all of those who are willing to take that step and put God first with your finances. And I want to let you know, it's making a difference. Where do you, where do you see that difference, Dave? Where's the impact of tithes and offerings? Well, first of all, Liquid is a tithing church. And what that means is that at the beginning of the year, we take 10% of our income and we give that back to the community to help our neighbors in need who have um, financial difficulties, the least, the last, and the lost. You know, we, this past year, we gave 10% and we helped feed the homeless in Newark. We provided clean water for children in Nicaragua and around the world. And then, of course, we support our friends with special needs, like having outreaches and events like Night to Shine with Tim Tebow and Olaf. Yes, um, I see Olaf peeking over your shoulder there. Let it go. <laughs> but we've given over $2.5 million since Liquid launched as a church. That's incredible, guys. That's you giving $2.5 million given. out to people who are literally like have nothing else. Can we hear it for that? That's your generosity, people. Amen. That's an amazing, amazing thing. That's incredible. But that's the, the heart of our church. I've never been associated with a more generous group of people. And that's really the heart behind the tithe, that we're going to show God's compassion without any strings attached, without any thought of return, because that's what God does. You know, we're a tithing church, and we believe that God blesses that generosity. Dave, you oversaw the 90-day tithe challenge last year. It was, I mean, it was remarkable. You've heard lots of stories. Right, and, you know, we've, we've just heard about the impact that it had on Ellen, but I received dozens of emails. Now, let me say, some of those were people who were still struggling, but the majority were people who had seen significant change and blessing. They had new jobs. They had raises. They were able to retire debt, and it wasn't just financial. There are a number of people who saw breakthroughs in emotional areas and relational areas and physical areas and spiritual areas because they were willing to take that step of obedience. As you know, 555 people, as Tim said, were willing to take that step and join with us in the 90-day tithe challenge. And you remember, Tim, that we said to encourage people that we would give 100% guarantee. We would, for anybody who didn't see God prove himself faithful, we would return their money, no questions asked. And so then, obviously, we're all wondering, out of 550 people, did you money-back guarantee? So that's interesting, right? Out of 550, how many do you think actually asked for their money back? Two. Pastor Mike, I assume, and Pastor Richard, is that like what's... Well, Tim, listen, listen. <laughs> you know that um, donor records are confidential. Um, so I can't really tell you which pastors asked for their money back. <laughs> right. No, it wasn't a pastor. But we, we, gave, we gave the money back, no questions, no questions asked. asked. And yeah. 
really, you know, that's a risk that I'm willing to take because I have seen it personally in my own life. You know, I've tithed, as Tim said, he and Colleen did. Lois and I have tithed all our lives. But we had a little bit of a challenge when I was leaving the corporate world and thinking about joining Liquid as the executive pastor. And there was severance and bonuses, and so we were put to a test. But we responded to the test the same way we had previously, and we tithed on everything that was given to us. And we've seen God come through, I mean, in amazing ways. I mean, I, I have my but God story, which is, but for God, I wouldn't be standing here today as the executive pastor of Liquid Church. And God has blessed us above and beyond anything we could have imagined. And I want everyone here to have the same blessings or more that we've experienced. And so that's why we're willing to give this guarantee to encourage you that when you honor God with the first fruits of what you have, you will see blessing in all areas of your life. And if you're a new Christian or, you know, you're, you're just returning to church, I understand, like, the first step is the hardest to take. It's a big deal. But some of you need to take this step this spring. You, you, you're not going to see it immediately here, but Ellen's nine months later. And so what we're going to do is we're reopening the 90-day tithe challenge at all four liquid campuses today. For those of you who aren't currently tithing to church, but you feel God calling you actually take this next step of obedience, and it's very simple. We put a card in your program today that looks like this. Would you just open up your program, pull that on out. If you don't have a card, just raise your hand. Our ushers can pass out one. But just take a look at this thing. It, you, give us your name and your email. This is not signing up. This isn't like, now I'm tithing. This is just for more information about it. And as Dave said, if you don't experience God's faithfulness, we'll refund 100% of your tithe, no questions asked. But if people are interested, Dave, they just fill this card, drop it in the bucket? That's it. Yeah, just fill it out, put your name and email on here, drop it at the bucket at the end of the service, and then I'll send you an email with details of the tithe challenge. I even want to send you a free book called The Treasure Principle by Randy uh, Alcorn. It's a quick read, um, but it talks about the biblical principles of how God wants you to handle your money and cultivate a lifestyle of generosity. And that's exactly what it is. We want you to have a generous lifestyle because your Father in heaven is by definition, his character is generosity. I want to thank Dave, but before you go, Dave, we need to congratulate Dave and our finance team because they just uh, underwent another successful financial audit and passed with flying colors. Dave, thank you to you and your team. We're grateful for you guys and the integrity that you bring to the process. Well, no, I really, uh, the credit goes to our team of uh, Roseanne and Robin and Sonia and Michael who do an incredible job each day making sure that our financial records have uh, integrity. But each year, as Tim said, we have an audit. We get an independent CPA who comes in and audits our books. And this year, again, we received an unqualified opinion, which is what you want. It means you passed. But part of the incredible thing is that they also issue a management letter in which they give uh, constructive comments. But this year, for the second year in a row, we received none of those. And I have to say, as a uh, former CPA, that rarely happens. So it's a, <laughs> it's a real testimony to our team. And, you know, we aim for the highest level of integrity um, here at Liquid. We have these controls over cash receipts and disbursements. We have a conservative um, budget. We also have an independent compensation committee that actually sets the salaries of our pastors. They look at um, surveys around the country, and they want to make sure our pastors are paid enough, but comparable to their peers uh, around the country. And also, uh, I believe in transparency, an open book policy. Um, You can ask me any financial question, um, and I will answer it. If you want a copy of the audited financial statements, just um, send me an email at dave at liquidchurch.com, and I'll provide you that information. Can we thank Dave Brooks? I thank God for Dave. Grateful for you, Dave. I really do believe he is a man of the highest integrity. I think one of the big reasons that uh, God has blessed our church with this kind of culture of generosity 
Guys, I know, again, if you're new um, to our church, I, I talk about money once or twice a year, and I wanted to do that because we really believe we don't want something from you. We want something for your family. And the whole idea of tithing, it is a game changer for so many of us because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is going to be. And so when we say, we're going to say this together, ready? The first penny of every dime is mine. We're just returning to God what's most important, and that is our hearts. And so you have no idea at this moment what God has been holding back when you hold back 100% for yourself. You may be knee-deep in debt, but God has a breakthrough he's waiting to release in your life. You, you may, your career, your business may be stalled or sinking, but God can work a turnaround that starts with putting him first. Maybe you want to tithe on the profits of your company. If you are ready to take this challenge, all you have to do is just fill your name and email on this card and drop it in the bucket when our ushers come down in just about 60 seconds. Dave will send you the e email with details in a free book. And I understand this could be awkward, but guys, listen to this. God's saying, I want all of you. <laughs> and so I got to talk about what's in your wallet. And I want you, if you're a parent, I want you to raise your kids this way. Because tithing is just training wheels for your heart. As Deuteronomy said, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. So understand it's not prosperity theology. We're not saying, hey, God's a cosmic vending machine. You just put in money and shake it and then goodies come out of this. That's not it. In fact, that's the worst. That's, that's you're using God for, for more money. Your heart is wrong. The motive is, is, is impure. But when you give your money to God, you're giving your heart. doesn't matter your age. doesn't matter your wage. That's why God makes it proportional. But he says, you keep, give me 10% and I'll supernaturally empower the remaining 90. So here's what I want to do. I want to invite our ushers to come forward this time. We're going to close today's worship service by receiving our tithes and offerings. And a reminder that as you put in, I always do this. I always I talk to my kids about this. I'm like, run your fingers over the letters. Who's it say? In God we trust. Not the government. <laughs> we don't trust Uncle Sam. Not that there's anything wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying Uncle Sam, but we trust God. And so I want to pray before we receive today's tithes and offerings. Would you bow your heads? Father God, we thank you for being a generous daddy. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything that we see and have and have ever touched is yours. And we just have gratitude right now. We thank you, Father, for opening your hands and your arms to us, welcoming us through the sacrifice of Jesus into the family of God forever. We thank you for the greatest gift of salvation. But Father, right now your children, we're coming to you with an open heart. And with all our heads bowed, we're still praying. Just internally, I want you to ask the Lord this question. Ask God this question in your heart. Say, Lord, what are you saying to me in this message? What do you want me to do? Just take a moment and listen. What is God telling you to do? If you're not tithing or you struggle with this, please don't feel condemned. Don't feel guilty. You should never feel guilty or condemned when you come to church. You can feel convicted. Maybe God's been opening your mind to his generous desire to bless you, but don't feel condemned. Just ask your father, Father, what are you trying to say to me in this message? Father, thank you right now for being a generous God that you gave your very own son, Jesus, who was rich, he became poor, so that we who are poor might become rich, sons and daughters of the king of heaven. Help us now to honor you with the tithe. God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, for all those who are struggling, I pray right now for the courage to take this important step of obedience. Lord, thank you for the work that you've done in those 550 plus families, God, who have 
honored you first in their homes. But God, I know there are legacies that are going to change right now today and over the next 90 days and nine months and years because of commitments that are made. You are waiting to pour out blessing on families in this church. So give us the faith right now to trust you with everything. Receive our tithes and offerings from a cheerful heart, from our grateful hearts to yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.